0: Hey there, it's your host Cody Stoffer, back with another request edition of the Playmakers Corner podcast. If you've listened to us before, you kind of know what the drill is, but in case you haven't, these are requests sent in by either TikTok, Instagram, or various other places from the players themselves or teammates. So I got four players today, three quarterbacks and one gadget player who I'm really excited to talk about who is the top division two player in the U S according to 24 seven sports. If you know who it is, that's great. But if you don't just stay tuned and then a couple of other quarterbacks that I'm going to talk about today. So thank you for sticking in here with me. And the order of these is going to be based off the amount of film available because I cannot stress to players, coaches, friends, or family enough that if you make a request for us to give us the name of the athlete, the high school that is being attended. And if possible, please send in the film. There is just some players who we do not have enough film on. So if you've made a request and haven't seen them or seen the player that you've requested, it's probably because they don't have enough film to break down to be completely honest. So thank you so much for your patience and understanding. Without further ado, I'm gonna jump right into this and talk about Shane Bishop, the five foot 11, 180 pound quarterback out of D High School in Denver, Colorado. And I'm going to try and talk about Shane as much as I can to whoever put in the request in. But I will note that Shane has considerably less film than most of the other guys on this list. So if this seems rather brief, understand that is mainly because of the lack of film. He has about 10 minutes of film, give or take, between his senior and junior year. And I figure that those are the more important ones to look at. Because looking at underclassmen film may be unfair or not indicative of the current player. So I'll talk about some strengths that Shane Bishop has from the film that I was able to see. I think that Shane has excellent touch capabilities in the pass game. And you know whether that's down the field or over the middle, if he needs to float it over some linebackers, I think that he does have that ability and he really enjoys those touch passes that have a little bit extra air on them. I also think that something that's really mature of Shane Bishop is that he engages his hips really well when throwing the football. You see a lot of these high school quarterbacks that throw with basically just their arm. But Shane Bishop doesn't do that. You know, he's able to engage his hips. You can see it when he's rolling out. You can see it when he plants that he put he moves his hips into throwing it. And part of that may be his frame at five foot, 11, 180 pounds. He's definitely on the smaller side of, quote, next level quarterbacks. But, you know, I definitely think that he engages the hips well. And that is something fundamentally that you like to see and that you don't really want to coach if you don't have to at the next level. I also think that Shane Bishop maneuvers around the pocket very well, you know, and that pocket maneuverability comes with like a sense of awareness that I think that Shane has, which is definitely an edge that he has over a lot of other quarterbacks in the state. So he's able to move left right in between the tackles really well and stick in there and and throw the football. I also think that something about Shane Bishop, as far as like running goes and running capabilities, he's willing to run straight up the middle of the field and fall forward for a lot of plays. Whereas, you know, a lot of quarterbacks, they'll hug hug the sideline a little bit or they'll slide quite often. And Shane's willing to just head straight up the gut of the field and pick up as many yards as he potentially can. With all that being said, there are definitely some areas of improvement for Shane Bishop that I do want to address in order to try and help Shane become a better football player. And, you know, anytime I talk about these areas of critique, you know, I'm just trying to help you. And so something that I think Shane Bishop needs to definitely work on is his drop back. It's it's really slow and it's super stiff. So something that I put down is it's kind of an uneventful drop back. You know, you want to get your hips more engaged and your legs more engaged into that drop back. It's going to be more explosive. It's going to be faster and you're going to be able to get to the peak of your release a lot sooner with a faster drop back. I also think that Shane could work on some athleticism and agility because while he does scramble from time to time, it's not, I think that the wildcat runs or the quarterback powers maybe weren't as warranted as they should have been. I think that he probably either needs to work on some burst drills, you know, so becoming more explosive off that first step and being able to really stick that foot in the ground and get upfield. So, obviously, there's lots of things you could do to work on explosiveness. I recommend, you know, getting in the weight room and doing those power cleans and doing those squats, definitely. I also think that, you know, there's times where Shane puts touch on passes that definitely shouldn't have any touch on them, you know. So, he he likes it almost too much, and he has too much faith in that, when there's definitely passes that need way more velocity and way more zing. So, I'd have concerns with Shane Bishop whenever I'm in the red zone and I want to work like over the middle concepts to try and exploit, you know, cover two looks that, you know, he he may float it so long that the safeties will have time to react depending on which side of the field he's working towards. In addition, the, ver- the reason that he's the very first one is because of the lack of film. And I will put that down as a weakness that, you know, there's just really not a whole lot to look at, you know, from, from a huddle scouting standpoint right so you know that that doesn't help his case and then I also will say that I, I mentioned a little bit earlier but you know his frame and size is definitely a bit on the smaller side there's obviously quarterbacks who have succeeded at 5 foot 11 180 pounds there's definitely a worse position you could be but it's not that prototy- prototypical six foot plus you know close to 200 pound range for our QBs that are being looked at for the next level. As far as Outlook goes, you know, I looked through Shane's Twitter and it looks like the one offer that he has is from Sterling College, which is an NAIA program. And honestly, I think that that's a great opportunity for Shane to continue to play the game that he loves and continue to thrive at the next level. I know some people who went NAIA route. They're very respectable. You know, it's that healthy kind of middle ground that has a wide range of competition, ranging from basically like D3 to even some borderline D1 players. And I think that he'll get plenty of looks and opportunities. I think that he's a red shirt kind of guy for sure. But, you know, I think at bare minimum, he's probably a one year starter over at Sterling College if he's able to correct some of these things and shows that he can go through reads as well. But I do think that, you know, his minor athleticism opens up some doors and play calling abilities for Sterling College to maybe work into some RPO kind of situations. And I think that that opens the door really wide for Shane Bishop and opens up you know, many possibilities to be a one or maybe even two year starter at Sterling College. I'm not sure entirely what the depth chart looks at. However, with extended eligibility, I do think that he'll have to wait his turn. And with the development that he needs to do in mind, that is something to also expect. And, you know, if he gets more offers, I'd expect him to be, you know, from those D3 NAIA-esque levels. So obviously, best of luck to Shane Bishop heading forward. You know, we here at Playmakers Corner wish you nothing but the best and if anything comes to mind on things that we could potentially try and help you with, just let us know. But, best of luck to Shane Bishop moving forward. I'll be right back with another request following the break. We are back here at the Playmakers Corner, I am your host Cody Stoffer, back with another set of requests, and we're talking about Kyle Gordon, the quarterback out of Monarch High School, 6'2", 200 pounds, and so far from what I can see on his Twitter, he has one offer to Muskingum University, which is a D3 program. So for Kyle Gordon, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and I'll talk about some areas of improvement before I start to talk about some strengths that he has. So. Gordon here, he has a pretty inconsistent drop back, I'd say, you know, where, you know, sometimes he'll shuffle and get more depth, but ultimately, you know, you want a more consistent drop back. Sometimes he'll only take like two steps and then just throw off of his back foot, which is obviously a huge red flag and leads to interceptions, you know, at the the next level. And I'd also say that, you know, sometimes he will cross his legs, but not enough. So I'd say that just to find like a more consistent drop back that works for you, And obviously, you've done a lot of work under center. So you have that going for you compared to a lot of quarterbacks that have only operated out of the gun in high school. But I would say to, you know, even refine it a little bit more and work on crossing those legs and getting more depth and a bit more of a push off and solid base to throw off of. I also say that, you know, there's not like a huge variety of throws that Kyle throws because, you know, a lot of this Monarch offense, and I'll talk about that more in a second, is boot, play action you know, to the right or left and then throwing it to that corner route to the tight end or hitting go routes down the sideline, depending on the concept. And, you know, building off of that a little bit, this Monarch offense is a run first kind of offense, which is, you know, it sets up play action completions to be a lot easier or quick one step go routes to be a lot easier to throw. So I will say that that's definitely a bit of a drawback because a lot of those stats almost come with an asterisk next to them that, you know, the monarch offense is, you know, run first. And so the defense has to emphasize the run more so than the pass. So that opens up opportunities for whoever the quarterback is, especially if they have a bit of a stronger arm. So I just wanted to talk about that. And there's not a lot of next level play designs from the monarch offense. You know, you don't have like crossing drag routes or, you know, combination routes as often, and you don't have middle of the field working plays as much in this monarch offense that's so run heavy that the play-action boo or the quick-sprint flood concepts are the more predominant play calls in this offense. I also will say that, you know, when decision-making and planting when when throwing the ball is a bit of a concern because some of the throws that he makes are into really contested spots. And I think that you can see that when you start to look at his stats and realize that there were years where he threw more interceptions than TDs, like his junior year. But also, I will admit that for kyle's instance here that the max preps may not be fully legit because they don't even have the name right but you know that's a bit of a concern for me that those things can happen because he's throwing it into such contested areas or there is one play in particular where he was throwing a slant route and he threw it really far behind the wide receiver like almost two whole football lengths and the receiver made the catch but you know At the next level, that's a play that the cornerback, if they're trailing the wide receiver, can make an easy play on and get an interception and even take it to the house. So I'd also say that, you know, the ball placement on intermediate to short routes could also use some work. And I think part of that comes from the plant and being able to plant on that back foot and deliver and drive through the ball whenever you're throwing it and not off of your back foot, which he does pretty often. Or, you know, he kicks up his leg a little bit too much when when throwing it. I also want to say that ball security is a bit of concern. Not only has he thrown a handful of interceptions in his few years at Monarch, but he's fumbled it five times in three years. So it makes me concerned about, you know, once again, that comes into the drop back and then whenever he's scrambling, he doesn't keep the ball in tight enough to him or tight enough to his chest. So that obviously opens up lots of opportunities and then being able to grip it, the ball correctly so that you can't get strip sacked as easily whenever you're getting ready to throw and launch is something to keep in mind and I think that also he doesn't go or progress through his reads as much as he should especially in a play action offense where you know you can just kind of read like high to low or low to high I think that he gets pretty pretty preset on one throw and he commits to that or he has one reads or runs kind of thing and so you know those are my concerns so I'd say that for for Kyle to work on these things obviously get into the film room and and watch those defenses at the next level and understand what the reads are and learn more about the concepts because your program wasn't as emphasized on those pass heavy concepts that do become opportunities right so obviously work on that and then work on you know sticking your back foot in the ground really and having a good plant to throw so that, that's something that you can work on even in your backyard while working on that drop back is to work on that plant and then you don't even have to throw a football just use like a towel for your release so you can focus a little bit more on that and obviously however you hold the football you can practice with the football too so that you can work on your grip. With all that being said you know this this Monarch team did find some success behind the arm of Kyle Gordon so I'm gonna give credit where credit is due and I will say that Kyle Gordon does run this Monarch offense very well. His senior year, he took huge strides and threw seven TDs to just two interceptions. So, you know, he he improved like whenever he would tuck and run versus when he does throw. And I will say that he throws that play action boot route very well, particularly the corner route, which is definitely one of the harder routes to throw. Granted, he is a bit more straight line with it most of the time. But, you know, being able to throw on the run, I think I do not doubt that he's capable of doing that because that is the majority of his film, whether it's sprint concepts or play action concepts. He can throw on the run pretty well. And that's moving right or left because, you know, you have to mix it up with with the offense and move both directions. And he does a good job of turning his shoulders whenever he does throw. You know, he's right handed in case that wasn't apparent. So obviously he's a bit more comfortable throwing to the right, but he does a good job of flipping his shoulders you know from left to right before he throws whenever he boots left i also think that he has very good touch on his fade routes you know he throws some beautiful fade routes for his wide receivers and tight ends that line about wide to where they can only make a play on it or you know it just falls right into the bread basket so excellent touch on the fade routes i also really like kyle gordon's athleticism because obviously if he wasn't as good of a runner they when they would only have to play like the pass or the routes right so whenever he gets out into that space the defense you know they can't afford to completely ignore him as a runner on the ground because he will take off and he will accelerate for a first down and he's very good situationally at knowing where the down marker is and what he has to do to get that whether that's dumping it to the tight end so that they can pick up the yards because the linebacker is pulling up on him or whether that's keeping it himself and moving forward and picking up that first down. I think obviously it's really nice that he takes snaps from under center. You don't see that too much, especially with some of the quarterbacks that we've looked at. There hasn't been a lot of under center looks. So, you know, I think that the transition to working on his drop back from under center is not as steep of a dive as some other quarterbacks in this state. I also think that you know, while he shows good touch on fade routes, he can also show touch or put some mustard on the ball whenever he throws some go routes. You know, he's able to put it in between safeties and cornerbacks, whether he has to lob it or whether he has to squeeze it in there. And obviously having that situational awareness for those kind of throws is huge and opens up a lot of opportunities to work that sideline concept and those go routes. And I think that's something that he did very well. And it led to a lot of opportunities for Monarch to pick up you know 20 to 30 yards at a time and even some good touchdown throws that he had came from touch passes in between like a cover one safety and a cornerback so obviously you know those are really good things to have as a part of your arsenal and I also think that his release is really quick so you know the his base could definitely use some work and, and his drop back whenever he plans to throw but as far as his arm goes I think that that was a huge contributor as to his success is that you know the ball doesn't travel super far from whenever he's holding it you know kind of at his chest level straight up to his head and then throwing down and forward so I really like Kyle Gordon's release and I'm really glad that that's not something they have to work on because that is something that is programmed basically forever and it's really hard to rewrite that code so to speak and so for him to already have that really quick release, I think is part of the reason why he's getting some of these looks at the D3 level is because you don't have to worry about coaching up his release to be faster or less of a windup because it's already there and it's really his release is next level, especially in contrast to a lot of other Colorado quarterbacks. You guys know that I'm pretty critical on releases and, you know, I even talked about it in the last segment and I might even talk about it in the next segment. So for Kyle Gordon's release to be where it is, is kind of a really big deal to me. And it should mean that it's a big deal to you. I also think that, you know, he's, he's a strong runner, you know, he's not afraid to fall forward. And obviously six foot two, 200 pounds, that's a bit closer to that prototypical coll- collegiate quarterback size. As far as outlook goes you know obviously kyle gordon's getting looks at the d3 level and i think that's kind of where his skill level's at he could look at juco potentially to improve but i think that you know there's definitely a lot to work on i think he's kind of a raw prospect in terms of concepts go and in terms of like running those next level concepts so whatever d3 looks you get i say to strongly consider them and you know if they will offer you a partial or even full at d3 do take up on that i think that that is the best route and if you can get any of your education paid for through collegiate you know through football then to definitely accept what you can get but that's kind of all my outlook is for kyle gordon obviously, you know, he, I see that he puts in a lot of work in the off season and, you know, he utilizes the resources provided to him through different types of coaching. And I think that his trajectory is only up. I just think that a lot of the system that he was brought through at Monarch is not super conducive to producing collegiate quarterbacks. So that's kind of where I stand. Obviously I wish nothing but the best for Kyle. I see him potentially getting a few more offers, But, you know, I think that he will play that next level ball at the D3 level. And I think that's perfect for Kyle, especially if he can get some of his education paid for. And I wish nothing but the best for Kyle Gordon moving forward. And, you know, I'm I'm excited potentially to even cover him heading into that D3 because we just don't have a lot of looks at that. So, Kyle, thank you so much. And thank you. Whoever sent in the request. I did enjoy watching some of Kyle's film, especially because I am a fan of that West Coast play action offense, that Sean McVay kind of look. And, you know, you could compare Kyle's style of play to Jared Goff, but a bit more athletic and strong. Coming up next, we have Nolan Bynum out of Delta High School. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we are doing another request episode. And we have Nolan Bynum, the quarterback out of Delta High School, 6'1", 197 pounds, and might I add a 4.17 GPA. We want to give credit where credit is due to these student athletes. And Nolan is up there amongst the best of them with that 4.17 GPA. Obviously, if you're a scout, this is a huge upside for you because know he's gonna bring up the team GPA and he's gonna make your educational program look a lot better because of the hard work and drive that he has so I'll talk about Nolan's strengths here first I think that Nolan has a very strong arm with good velocity and touch that's displayed on deep balls or even on hitch routes you know he can show that zing and he also plays baseball from what I can see so you know that's part of where the velocity comes from I think And he has some good touch on some very deep throws. He has 40 plus yard passes. And obviously seeing that at the high school level is a pretty big deal. I will also say that, you know, whenever you are able to throw the deep ball, it opens up those underneath routes and some of those easier routes to throw. And I will want to point out that as a junior that Nolan over 13 games completed 58% of his passes for 2,556 yards. So about 11.6 yards per completion, which, which is a first down every time you throw it. Nothing to be ashamed about there. He also had a long of 98 yards, which obviously is an outlier, but gosh darn, that's a heck of a throw and catch and run and being able to spot that out. And he posted a 34 TD to 7 INT ratio. And part of that fear, I mean, 34 to seven, that's almost a five to one ratio that shows a good level of decision making and ability to stretch the field. And I think part of the opportunities that he gets on those deep balls is he's really good at using his shoulders to move safeties and throw pumps. You know, it's not like a whole pump where you're going to get defensive linemen to jump, but it's enough to move safeties and even cornerbacks, depending on the routes that are thrown. So they do a lot of like Hitch and go kind of concepts where you have like the outside guy run a hitch and the inside guy run a go or vice versa. And so, especially when the inside guy is running a hitch, he gets the defensive back to draw on that hitch so hard by moving his shoulders that the deep ball is free low for him. And you know that that's part of the reason why he can get so many touchdowns. And then once you get in the red zone, which is really easy to come by when you have a quarterback that can throw it across the yard pretty easily then, you know, it stretches out the sidelines and opens up the middle of the field. So for those 20-yard scores, there's 10-yard strikes, right? And his velocity in the red zone is impressive in and of itself. So, you know, his arm, super-duper good. Love his ability to stretch the field and love his ability to use his shoulders to move safeties and throw off corners and stuff, which is a huge mental kind of maturity thing that you don't see from a lot of quarterbacks at the high school level to be able to move the secondary like that. However, what really makes Nolan Bynum out of Delta Delta High School dangerous is his combination of his powerful arm and his very quick legs. I think that, you know, he's super athletic. And his, his velocity on throwing opens up a lot of RPO options, those read pass options, because he's capable of running the read option. His junior year, he tacked on another nine rushing touchdowns. So, you know, he was responsible for 43 touchdowns, which is absurd, especially as a junior in high school. And part of that is, you know, his capability to... A, run the read option and be able to tuck it and keep it. But also when you can run an RPO with him in the red zone, it's basically direct deposit automatic for him because it's like, okay, if you're going to cover my number one option, I'm going to be able to tuck it and run it and I'm and I'm going to score and you're going to feel dumb about it, right? And then within the five-yard line, it's basically unguardable. Delta High School had an incredible red zone offense, primarily thanks to a one Nolan. I think that Nolan has super quick feet whenever he's running the ball. He's able to change his, pay- his pace and direction super quickly. And I also think that he has a pretty mean stiff arm whenever he's heading towards the sideline to pick up those few extra yards and keep those down markers in mind. So his athleticism at the quarterback position is really solid and you know his ability to take off kind of in an instant is super impressive and opens up lots of opportunities. Definitely a collegiate style quarterback who will thrive. And his athleticism and powerful arm were huge factors to him being 2 a first team Allstate in back to back years. Now when I start to talk about areas of improvement, there are quite a few. I would say that his plant wind up release like that one, two, three takes way too long. He has a massively long release that decreases the value of his velocity because the defense has time to react and I think that we started to see that his senior year I will also mention that Nolan Bynum was facing some injuries this year and I'm I'm not entirely sure what the full story is on that but you could definitely see that it had an impact on his play and I wonder what it is and what the lasting effects are which is obviously you know kind of in that areas of improvement slash concerns category because you know once you injure something once, it could be easier to injure it again, depending on what it was and how it happened. I will also say that, you know, he—I didn't see him go through progressions that much, and I didn't see him take checkdowns very often. When looking even through his, you know, more full game films, I wouldn't say that he's—he's he's a dump off kind of guy. He's kind of a home run or tuck it and run kind of guy. And, you know, that obviously increases the chance to be injured whenever you're tucking and running it more, or it leads to the opportunity for more turnovers if you're trying to force passes that aren't necessarily there. And, you know, as, as a senior, he had a seven, 7 TD to 5 interception ratio, which is insanely decreased from where he was at, you know, his his junior year, even. I also would point out that I did watch some Braslin film. He's a wide receiver at Delta High School and was an honorable mention for our wide receivers list. He's an excellent jump ball kind of guy. He's a very physical receiver that I enjoyed watching film of, and he just missed the cut for our top wide receivers. So when you have a guy like that who can run those strong post routes, those strong go routes, and even some comebacks and hitches at times, and can also run after the catch, you know that's something to keep in mind when talking about quarterbacks is who they were throwing to, and how much work they did for them. And and Braslin was virtually unstoppable in the red zone as well. So when you can throw it up there and get a handful of touchdowns because Braslin is just that dominant of a jump ball kind of receiver, that's something to keep in mind. And it's like, how many times would Nolan be able to do this with any other receiver, right? Because you don't get to choose necessarily that matchup and that chemistry heading into that next level. So i also think that you can see the baseball player in his release because he brings his hand all the way through and down to almost his knee and you know that's part of what slows it down a lot too is that huge wind up and that huge release kind of thing and so i definitely think that that's going to have to be refined for the next level but i will i will say that you know The power of his arm is what accentuates that and separates it a little bit. It's like, okay, he takes a while to throw, but the throw is far and it is a bomb. Continuing on areas of improvement, though, I do think that he's kind of a sideline hugger that I was talking about earlier when talking about Shane whenever he runs the ball. Obviously, you do want to keep safe, but there are definitely times when there's more yards straight up the field on his read options or his RPOs. And he just doesn't really take them. So I don't know if yeah you're, you become limited, right? Because midline reads turn into regular read options, right? And so that's kind of a concern as far as, you know, missing some, or leaving some yards on the field for sure, I'd say. And potentially even some touchdowns or first downs on the field by heading so far towards the sidelines and not necessarily being able to turn the corner at top speed. So i also didn't see a lot of in routes and i think that he could work on his play fake because he runs the read option so well you'd want him to really sell those play fakes and i think that he could definitely make an improvement on that before heading to the next level i'd say overall you know nolan bynum is a pretty raw quarterback with some technical refining and you know play reading to do and i will also say that you know 2a competition is a bit harder to read because i do think that he was just outmatching a lot of his competition with that being said though you know Nolan has a handful of offers from a variety of D3 and D2 schools so you know just to read off some of them he has a Williamette he has a Sterling once again kind of like Shane Bishop did you know and then he has a McPherson he has a University of Montana Western visit that that he had in Colby Colby Braslin actually had an offer for him so you know you could watch him continue to carry that out with Colby and keep that rapport heading up but he also has an offer from Fort Lewis and he just got another offer from Western Colorado in Gunnison these are all very solid football schools who obviously see the things that Nolan does as well and that's his athleticism and his cannon of an arm I really like the idea of him going to Western because Sean Kidd got offered to Western Colorado. And I think that they'd be a super dynamic backfield at the D2 level. And you know, when you have kind of that, that CSU Pueblo that just went out and collected, you know, your Leslie Richardsons and your James Walkers of the world, that you have to come out swinging and get some elite speed in that backfield. And I think that, you know, between Nolan and Sean Kidd, if Western's able to secure the bag on that to an extent, that that would be uh, go a long ways. Obviously, Nolan, whatever choice you make, depending on what the educational program looks like and, you know, the chemistry that you have with the coaches and with the players, those are all going to be things to consider. But I think that Nolan Bynum, obviously, by his offers, is a D2 talent. And, you know, depending on the capabilities and mental IQ growth that he's able to show, and if he could also probably gain like another inch and some weight, I think that Nolan Bynum could be an intriguing potential D1 transfer if he can make some of those mental growths and stuff. But as, as it stands right now, between raw, physical, and athletic prowess, he is a Division II football player, and he has some offers to some dang good Division 2s I'd say. And so, Nolan, obviously, I wish you the best of luck. I hope that, you know, this message receives you well and you're able to take away from this what I can because, you know, I'm just trying to help all these cats become better football players. With Nolan Bynum being wrapped up, I will remind everyone that if you jump straight to this, that you can listen to the Shane Bishop and the Kyle Gordon breakdowns. And I'm going to conclude with the guy who had the most film and man, he is a heck of a prospect coming up the number one division to recruit according to 24 seven sports coming up. Last but certainly not least on this episode of Playmakers Corner Request, we have the three-star, 5'8", 172-pound wide receiver gadget returner out of Pomona High School, Jack Pospisil. If I'm saying it wrong, I apologize, so I'll just try and stick to Jack, who is the three-star University of Central Mizzou commit and the number one D2 recruit according to 24-7 Sports. Obviously, you know, a lot of those titles speak pretty loud for Jack here. So I'll talk about his areas of improvement because there's not as many as his strengths. And, you know, that's kind of just, I've kind of bounced back and forth alternating every other one. So areas of improvement, as far as I could see for Jack is, you know, a lot of the time at Pomona, he played in the slot, I'd say the majority of the time compared to the outside. So he definitely gets some mismatches with his speed against some linebackers, safeties, or lower depth chart corners. You know, so that is something to keep in mind when watching his film is like, oh, of course, he's going to be a mismatch on some of these slower, less skilled players, at least when working out of the slot. I also think that, you know, they asked him to play some kind of wildcat shotgun quarterback this year and questionable, I think, is a pretty kind word to use for his decision making because he threw more interceptions than touchdowns, and some of the touchdowns that he threw were just well-designed plays. I will give some credit to the OC at Pomona there. And I will say that beyond even the interceptions, that ball security is a little bit of a concern with three fumbles in his two varsity varsity seasons. So, you know, you have to keep in mind that he, he definitely has to work on protecting the ball, whether he's throwing it or even running it. And I know that, you know, if they try and put him at quarterback, that I can emphasize playing the run and watching that read option a lot more and dare him to try and beat us over top, you know, because of I I wouldn't say that he even has a super strong arm. So I can take that away and not be as threatened at a collegiate level by his quarterbacking or Wildcat quarterback. And also, I hate to be uncreative here, but I will say that the reason that he's going division two instead of division one is his size five foot eight. You know, that's just like a really tough sell. I hope that, you know, if there's a few more inches in his future, then I think that he is a division one player talent wise, but you know, five foot eight, 172. It's just a really tough sell. I'd say to those division one recruiters and I hate to be uncreative, but that's just kind of the way it is and the way that the cookie crumbles with those areas of improvement that aren't really areas of improvement other than working on ball security and you know maybe a little bit of football iq if asked to throw the ball sometimes i'd love to get started on the strengths of jack Paspacil here out of pomona high school and i think jack here is a huge reason for pomona's success this past year he is so dynamic and what a heck of an athlete with a ton of speed and I just want to say that, you know, part of the reason that Jack here is the number one division two recruit, according to 24-7, and also why he's been to All-American games is because the first three minutes of his highlight reel are touchdowns. I mean, up to three minutes, then one plays in a touchdown, and then it's another like 45 seconds of touchdowns. He is a home run hitter from basically any position that he plays. I think he absolutely has next level speed. He has next level acceleration and he has incredible bursts that make him that touchdown threat on any play. Simon and I have talked about it before. You cannot coach speed and Jack has exactly that as well as the ability to turn on the Jets really fast. He's definitely a zero to 100 kind of guy and, you know, he just... He <laughs> he's a complete mismatch on some of those slower play like he doesn't even have to hit a lot of guys with double moves because he can just soar past them whether that's on the outside or even the inside so even against tougher cornerbacks you know his speed just makes him such a threat that he really can breeze by some guys i also think that you know he's a first team all state and he has an argument for being the best returner in the state due to his acceleration and his top end speed you know We've talked about it before where I don't believe a lot of the 40-yard dash times that they have, but Jack here has a 4-4-4, and I almost promise you that he runs that exact, if not even a little bit faster, depending on the time of day. And I think that he even has 4-4 in-game speed, like 4-4 flat in-game speed, depending on the running start that he has. And man, he just, he's super fast, definitely one of the fastest players that we have covered here on Playmakers Corner, especially out of Colorado. I also think that you know his hips he has really good hips as far as being able to change direction and using them for acceleration and also his ankles and footwork is super good he's a very smooth player and a very smooth runner whether he's running routes or returning kickoffs which i think is arguably his best chance at the at the next level beyond even college but you know i'll, I'll talk a little bit more about outlook after this but you know he he runs excellent wheel routes where he's able to target the outside corners inside shoulders super well and you know that inside cornerback wants to not get beat for that quick route outside and you know they run that mesh concept at pomona very well and they allow jack to use his speed to just get outside first rather than trying to run that outside guy over top because of the threat that jack is downfield and it leads to a very good wheel route that he's capable of running. I know that he's going to score on this wheel route at the division 2 level if they allow him to run it. Absolutely. I also think that, you know, his deep threat and his speed has opened up a lot of different releases that Jack has, you know. I talked about before that a lot of wide receivers in the state of Colorado aren't super creative with the releases that they have or, you know, I fear for them in press, but I don't have to fear for Jack because these cornerbacks don't want to get beat over top. And he's a vertical threat every time. So he has a very good side step or big side gallop, you know, and he could do it inside and outside. He has enough time to do kind of like that back flex, that stutter step to an extent where he can go backwards and then forwards. And it's all of them are press beaters. Absolutely. And I think that they're press beaters at the next level as well, because of his, you know, deep ball kind of threat where, you know, he's going to catch it and also just his speed. It, it opens up a lot of releases and he utilizes it and capitalizes it. It's all about building off of the strengths that you have as a player and Jack knows how to use his speed in other facets of the game, you know, with his footwork, with his hip work, with his releases, with his route running, you know, he, he makes sure to let the defender know, like, I know that you're afraid of my speed and you should be afraid of me in other ways, but they just literally cannot account for the amount of ways to be threatened by Jack as a football player. You know, I I will just read out some stats here that, you know, he had close to 3,000 all-purpose yards and close to 30 touchdowns right around those ballparks. I'm not a thousand percent max preps believer because they definitely are outdated on some information. So if he has even more than that, I would not be surprised. And, you know, I mean, geez, that's like a thousand yards and 10 feeties a year. That's like clockwork, you know, punching in those 40 hours and getting that same paycheck every time, except this is for a high school football player. Once you average it out, he also, when he was asked to run out of the gun and run those wildcat concepts, he displayed superb vision on, you know, the read option concepts and being able to know when to let go or when to tuck and keep. He can cut inside the tackles. He can cut outside the tackles. Once he makes that corner, there's no one that's going to be able to catch him. And he turns the corner really well and he's able to do it at even his full speed and unless a defensive player takes a perfect angle to catch him he will definitely score a touchdown and needless to say in colorado a lot of defenders were not able to find that angle because of jack's speed once again also his vision applies to whenever he's on designed runs whether that was jet sweeps or they gave him some looks out of the backfield too so he could take snaps from under center which makes him a very very special gadget player that you can line up anywhere on the field quarterback, running back, wide receiver, slot receiver, and he will find ways to succeed and, you know, make the defense shake in their boots. Once again, his vision is also applicable, I would say, to they throw him some screen passes that he's able to take like 70 yards to the house. So, you know, being able to follow those blockers and build off of it translates very well to special teams where I talked about he's one of the best returners in the state and that's because, you know, he'll start on the right side of the field, he'll go to the left side of the field and then we'll cut back across the right side of the field because he knows where those blocks are and what the play design is on those returns. And he's able to capitalize off of them and keep his eyes open. You know, a lot of players can get tunnel vision when playing football. It's really easy to stay inside the helmet, but you think that he has 360 degrees of vision whenever he's returning the ball or, you know, taking a screen to the house. He sells ball fakes really, really well. He sells it better than a lot of quarterbacks do even, you know, whenever running that read option or even on some of those play action looks where he did throw the ball. He has a great ball fake because, you know, he understands that it has to look the exact same as if you're handing the ball off. And he does a great job. He never pulls too early on those ball fakes and on the read options or even RPOs that I'm pretty sure that they ran sometimes. He opens up a lot of opportunities with those ball fakes. So obviously, as a Wildcat quarterback, you really can't go wrong with Jack unless you ask him to throw or you're asking too much of him to throw or make reads, I'd say. And I'd say that, you know, from a comparison standpoint, I would like to remind any newer listeners to, you know, take a take a look at our Juco series. That's that's basically episodes one through like 12, I think, where we react to last chance you and do some breakdowns on some players there. And one of them, which is episode seven, talks about Carlos Thompson, who was a five foot nine. Well, I guess he's still five foot nine, 185 pound receiver at Independence Community College, who, you know, was was a big play home run hitting speed kind of threat. Carlos was another guy who was utilized because of his speed and his deep play kind of threat and his special teams abilities. He thrived on Last Chance U and he even got an extended offer to a Division II school, which is where we see our boy Jack here. And you know, he was invited to the XFL draft and has has had some looks at the NFL and I think that, you know, Jack has a very similar path. I do think that gaining a few pounds and being able to retain that speed would be really good for Jack. So, you know, if he can get up to 180 or even 185, that Carlos Thompson kind of size. And I bet he probably has one more inch somewhere in him. You 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 supposedly grow until you're 25. So, I think if he's able to get on the field sooner than later, which I think that, you know, at Central Missouri, They're going to find ways to get Jack onto the field sooner than later because he's just that dynamic of an athlete and showed out in the American All Star game as well. I don't recall which one it is off the top of my head. But you know, I think that he's going to get those looks at, at University of Central Missouri, and I think that if he makes the most of his time at University of Central Missouri, you know, he puts up similar like three thousand career yards, thirty touchdowns, and he goes down as one of their best skill players in the program's history. That he really does have a shot at at even the NFL, potentially most likely as a return kind of guy. I think that you know, you look at like a trend in Holiday is very similar kind of build and speed, and if he can shave down that forty time to that sub 4-4 even, if he has the capability and ability to do that at a at a bigger way that I think that really opens up a lot of opportunities for Jack. But I think he's going to be a phenomenal Division II player. I think he's going to light up the scoreboard over at University of Central Missouri. And I think that, you know, that opportunity to be able to play in like the CFL where you get those running head starts as a wide receiver. And, you know, if there's an XFL by the time that he gets out of college, because you know, if he does take a red shirt, he could milk it and get like kind of a five year kind of look. And With, you know, the backlog of extended eligibility, that might be the move for him, as well as the University of Central Missouri program. So I have nothing but good things to say about Jack. Honestly, you know, I was definitely nitpicking quite a bit when looking through his weaknesses. He's definitely an under-the-radar prospect who, you know, outside of size would have been a Division I kind of guy. And I think that he's going to absolutely demolish on the D2 level. And I wish him nothing but the best. And I will say this here at the end, you know, if any of these players want to come onto the show, consider this your official invite. I should have said it at each segment, but I usually forget to do that. Obviously, you know, you can reach us through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Those are all places where, you know, I'll be posting videos about these guys as well as others. Make sure to find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor, Anchor Podcasts to listen to older episodes. Like I said, we have that episode seven that's about Carlos Thompson, who is that wide receiver at Independence Community College and we also have episode 10 which is an interview and film breakdown of Sam Flowers who went on to play at the University of Northern Colorado turned that junior college experience into a division one football experience so definitely you know give those episodes a listen you can reach out if you have any film requests obviously you can send them in at you know Instagram direct message Twitter direct message or Facebook direct message And if you're sending in requests, we need the athlete's first name, their last name, and the high school that they go to. And if you could link the film as well, that would be helpful because sometimes we just cannot find the film. But also keep in mind that if they don't have enough film, that it's hard for us to give them a look. But I've been Cody Stauffer. Thank you so much for joining us for this other request episode and have a wonderful rest of your day. Good luck to all of these athletes, baby.